Our scripture reading today is uh, from Colossians 1, uh, verses 15 through 20. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything and in the heavenly realms and on the earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. He is the beginning, supreme over all who rise from the dead. So he is first in everything. For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ, and through him God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. Thank you for downloading our podcast. Make sure you subscribe to get new ones every week. And don't forget to check out First United Methodist Sweetwater's website and social media. Now, here is Pastor Ryan Strebeck. Before Paul wrote these words in Colossians 1, uh, St. John penned these words, I, John, your brother and partner in the struggle and in the kingdom and the patient endurance that are in Jesus was on the island called Patmos on account of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. John in prison on Patmos wrote these words, the patient endurance that is Jesus. I'm with you, he said, in the patient endurance that is in Jesus. Because of God's patience and this news that in Jesus, as Shane read, all things hold together, it is possible for us to find resurrection life by patient endurance. I think this is a very fitting text for Mother's Day. Patient endurance requires a deep trust that someone, in fact, is holding all things together. Is it not a great description of the work of mothers to say that they hold all things together? I remember growing up and hearing stories of how my grandmothers held things together during the Depression and other times. And I witnessed them make room in their later life for the aging and for the dying, holding all things together. I remember hearing stories of my mother holding together things in her family when she was still a child. And I witnessed her hold my brothers and I together when we didn't even know or didn't care that we needed it. And I've witnessed the mother of my children hold all things together in our home with sort of a good Samaritan quality, like the person that you really want when the chips are down, when life is difficult. I have images forever of her in the uh, neonatal ICU waiting room holding our young family together through tears and through fighting. So why is it good news that in Jesus all things hold together or that Jesus holds the world together? 
This beautiful text that was read for us is actually, if you study the form closely, this was a hymn from the early church. This was something that would have been circulated in the church just like we circulate blessed assurance or to God be the glory. And it's celebrated, of course, that Jesus is sufficient, that he was before all things, that he will be there after all things, that he sustains all things, and all this life is for him, through him, in him, uh, as was prayed earlier, that he is in control. Three times in the opening stanza of this hymn, we see the word creation, the firstborn of all creation. In him, all things were created, and then all things were created through him and for him. It's good news because Jesus is giving life. The one who is holding all things together loves us, had a love within the Trinity such that uh, it would not have been good to not create human beings with a free will who could rebel against God, who could choose to love God, who could rebel against our fellow neighbor, and who could choose by the power of the Spirit to love our fellow neighbor. Creation. Jesus holds the world together through creation, through giving life, and that's why we're all here. Not only does Jesus create, but Jesus, Paul tells us, is able and willing to sustain that which he created. He doesn't just give us life once, but he gives us life constantly. He's able to sustain the world by the word of his power. And finally, it is good news that Jesus holds the world together because not only does he create us and create life, but when this life that he's created wanders away when we rebel against God, when we become estranged, when all creation is groaning, as Paul says, when there are earthquakes and famines and severe droughts and all the things that we see where the earth is even unrest. Not only does Jesus sustain life by the word of his power, but also Jesus gathers us. Jesus holds us together when we have been alienated, when we are strung out. Jesus does not fail to redeem that which he has created. The, the, the hymn, the passage ends with Jesus making peace, with God making peace with all creation through the blood of his cross. We see the cross, in the, in the cross we begin to see this event and this ongoing work where Jesus holds all things together through peace. How does the soul receive peace when we are estranged from God, when we're far away from God? We don't even realize that we need to be gathered in and then we experience the grace of Jesus gathering us up and holding us together by grace. Jesus does not fail to redeem, to save, to make alive that which he has created in the times even that we have fallen asleep, that we have been dead in our trespasses. When Jesus holds all things together, we experience peace. And when we experience peace, we find security, we find rest, and we find ourselves seeking to share that peace with others. And it seems that the character of the peace that we share happens through patience. As John said, patient endurance. Patient endurance. When David, King David, when he wanted to sing about, when he wanted to teach God's people about, when he wanted to talk about being at peace, when David said, you know, I'm, I'm at peace, my soul is at rest, 
Things are stable. I can rest secure. I can trust. I'm in a good place. Which metaphor does he use? In Psalm 131, David says it this way, I have calmed and quieted my soul like a what? Like a child with its mother is my soul within me. Again, David knew that this idea of holding all things together, like a child with its mother, is my soul within me. O Israel, O God's people, trust in the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. If we know that we have a trustworthy place to offer our hearts, if we know that there's someone good who's holding all things together, it all of a sudden becomes a little bit easier step of faith to say, I can entrust my life to that person. I can entrust my soul to that divine life. Which is exactly what we see, I think, in the history of the church in our mothers. Mothers in the church have long been key witnesses to the patient endurance that we share with Jesus. I invite you to pause this morning and consider to think of women who have discipled you. Think of women who, sometimes it was so subtle and even subversive that we didn't even realize what was happening. But women who have exhibited patient endurance that we might experience the peace of God even when we didn't care. One person I think of is Miss Peggy. Now, Miss Peggy was my youth Sunday school teacher. And this was a small class, and we wandered in there every Sunday. We gave every physical and verbal and emotional sign that we did not want to be there. And, and every day that we did that, she would hand us a Dr. Pepper, and she would say, now, class, let's get some Bibles and let's look at today's lesson. And so we would fumble our way through, you know, and try to pretend like we didn't know how to read because we were cool guys. Oh, oh, I don't know, miss, I can't read this, you know. And, and, we, and, and, and she would be patient with us, and we would stumble through, and we would learn. And just imagine in that scene, in a group of people that could care less, she was subversively inviting God to speak and provide stability in our lives. Patient endurance. You all have a story like that. My kids have stories like that already in this church. I see it all the time. It's very fascinating to look, not just in the United States, but around the world. In the mid-90s, there was a comprehensive study done in all places that people tried to analyze where the church was growing. Where the church was growing, we had good data, and we could kind of report on, okay, how many baptisms and how many people are involved, and what's the activity level and attendance and all that stuff. It's fascinating that typically in the nations that were surveyed, uh, there are more women active and involved in the church than men. And so, well, we might lament and say, gosh, it's just the culture and it's, you know, the lack of fathers in America. And those are lamentable statistics. And we'll talk about that on Father's Day, maybe. But uh, we'll talk about how, you know, all this stuff and it's that. And it's just our culture and things aren't like they used to be and yada, yada, yada. What was fascinating is that in the study, they found that in places, it was even more pronounced, there were a higher ratio of women to men in places where the church was being heavily persecuted. So places where it was not legal to be Christian, this is crazy, there were actually more, a greater ratio of women to men, and uh, there in, place, in places like uh, Belarus, there, there was like 15 to one, 15 women for every one male in the churches that they surveyed. 
And, I mean, you can make a lot of that. You can look at that. You can wonder what the deal is. But isn't it fascinating that when the church is growing in persecuted areas, there is a higher number of women involved than men? It doesn't shock me, actually, because patient endurance. Patient endurance. This is how we grow. This is how we see Jesus. This is how we learn what love is, is through action. And again, we might say, well, that's just the 90s. You know, that's just now. But it's really always been this way in some level. Uh, I'm thankful to the work of Alan Kreider, who writes on the history of the early church. And he backs this up with so much data. But he says, you know, I'm convinced that throughout the church, there were always more women than men that were involved. And it's crazy in the time that Paul's writing and the church is growing, it's little things too, like women finally in the church Someone told them it's okay to not just settle and marry just any old guy. Because Paul said, what? You, can't, you don't want to be unequally yoked. You know, you don't want to marry some goober who doesn't care about Jesus, is not going to support you in your life with Christ. So uh, it was like, okay. And so the women are like, fine, well, if it comes down to marrying a jerk and not getting married at all, we'll just not get married. And there was life for them to be mothers and grow and raise the family of the church that way. So, I mean, that's just one little thing. But Crider reminds us that in the mysterious growth of the early church, it is remarkable, it's remarkable uh, that there were not that many heroes. You know, there just weren't that many people. It's like, oh yeah, well the church really made it because we had person X. But it's the church really made it in so many different areas and so many languages and so many places with different worship styles and different stuff. It made it because of the patient endurance of Christians. Following in the patient way of Jesus. There were groups of people that were gathered under the head of the church, Jesus, to experience peace. And once we experienced that peace, then steadily, patiently, we began to share that peace with others. I would encourage, as we remember the women that have formed us, I would encourage all the women here today, uh, and this is, I realize, difficult ground to give any kind of uh, call or invitation uh, to women being myself a man, but I would say, that in your work and your life in the church, please do not underestimate the souls, the lives that Jesus holds together through your patient endurance. As we consider the call and the glorious vocation of patient endurance, it is good for us to remember that we experience joy and see fruit through patient endurance mainly because patience is in the very character of God. There are a lot of ways that you could describe God, but one of the best ways, one of the scripture writer's favorite ways to talk about God and to describe God are to say, remember God is patient. Remember the patience of God. Whether it was Peter saying, I know some of y'all think that Jesus is sitting in his easy chair and he's not coming and he's being lazy and he's forgotten you, but actually God is patient and God is waiting for as many people as possible to repent and to turn. And so that's, you can count on God's patience to be there. Uh, the Psalms over and over again, the Lord is gracious and slow to anger, abounding in love. I, John, your brother and partner in the tribulation and the kingdom and patient endurance that are in Jesus, the patient endurance of Jesus himself inspires us, it grounds us, and it gives us hope 
when life is difficult. I think it's when life is difficult, especially, that it's hard to think of better news than that Jesus is holding all things together. Jesus, if Jesus is holding all things together, it makes it easier for me to entrust all the things that I'm trying to hold together. You know, we picture all of us at our frenzied state and how many times we see each other, how's it going? Oh, going great, just trying to keep all the plates spinning. You know, how's it going? Going great, just trying to keep all these kids moving in the same direction. How's it going? Going great, just trying to keep the traffic moving, that the business can move forward, we get all these deals done. We're always trying to hold things together. What a great comfort, what a great encouragement to know that Jesus truly holds all things together and we can trust him with our lives. And if we do that, we will experience that peace, that quality of peace that will change us such uh, that we won't be able to help sharing that with others through patient endurance. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen.